You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So, we are in our relationship series, Known. So, we are going to continue um, all things relationship tonight. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, dating. We're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about sex. We're also going to be talking about uh, pornography and its impact in relationships, um, whether dating or married. So, are you guys ready for that? Can you handle it? How many of you are already uncomfortable? Yes. Thank you, honest people. Uh, <laughs> couple of honest people in the crowd. Uh, this is so good. Okay, before we get started, though, I would love... Okay, first of all, before we do this, I need everyone to agree you're all going to participate. Can I get your agreement? Okay. Can I now have everybody in the room stand to their feet? Everyone stand. Everyone stand. Okay. Remember, you agreed to full participation. We will personally call you out if you do not participate. Okay, now I would love to ask all the married people to now sit down. Only married people people. sit down. Only married people. Wow, Wow. if I'm single, this is the place to be. So now, wait, 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 now, now, men, and I'm looking, I'm watching men. I want you to just do a slow circle just in your seat. Look around. No, no, I'm serious. Slowly turn around, men. Look at all the beautiful young ladies in our church. Slowly turn. You're being so disobedient, some of you. Slowly turn. Okay, wow. Hey, Dana's engaged. Stop looking, fellas. She's engaged. Joel got right. her. Joel got her. All right. On Friday night. Yeah, you guys can sit down. So, wow. Go ahead. Everyone can take a seat now. What we just learned is that all of y'all should have no problem getting a date. Because there's handsome men in this church and gorgeous young ladies. I love it. I love people getting together. I love love. I love relationships. I love people asking people out. I love it all. Love it all. All right. All right. Should we introduce our panel? Yeah, you go. So Tony and Elisa DeLorenzo. Do you guys know Tony and Elisa? They have the number one marriage podcast in the world. Not San Diego, not the United States. In the world. How long have you guys been doing that for? Ten years now. Ten years. Why Incredible. Why don't you tell everyone what, how they could actually, what, it, what is the name of the podcast? So if people wanted oh, yeah. to find you, yeah. um, let them know what that is. So go to any podcast app, wherever you're listening. Go to One Extraordinary Marriage Show. You will find it. We have over 560 episodes. And I notice a lot of you are single in here. I will tell you, we have a lot of people who are single because they're listening to understand what is really happening in marriage every day. So So jump in. Best time to learn about marriage is before you're married. Yes. Amen to that. Get ahead Um, of the curve. And then we have Ashley Robbins over here. A crowd favorite. She also has a PhD in relationships. Not officially, but, but Basically. Pretty, yes. pretty much. In my soul. Pretty much. In your soul. She's amazing. So, so good. Okay, so like I said, we're going to be talking about dating, marriage, sex, and the effects of pornography and relationships. But before we dive into those topics, we need to discuss one thing first. And so I'm going to propose this question to beautiful Ashley. And I would love, Ashley, for you to discuss um, what it looks like to have boundaries in male and female friendships... Why are boundaries yes. important, and what the, are what would those might be, those boundaries? I could hardly wait for her to finish because I'm so excited to talk about it. 
I'm actually super passionate about it because I feel like part of the romance of looking at healthy marriages is when you see that they're not just a couple that like is in love, but they're best friends. And so I feel like as a single person, part of your like longing in your soul is to be, you know, marry your best friend. Kenny and I met when we were 16 years old, y'all. And his little Virginia accent, I was like, hey boy, hey boy. And we became best friends right away. But here's the thing, why I'm passionate about it is because what can happen is when you long for that, I, a long time ago, there was this thing called friends with benefits. Y'all know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. It was a physical thing, but I feel like now it's kind of crept into the church where there's yeah. this friends with benefits in your emotions. And the Bible yeah. says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. And in the message version, it says, keep with vigilance, watch over your heart for their life starts. So what happens is you get these guys and girls who expose these deep things of your soul, these testimonies, these traumas, these dreams and visions that you have for your life to the opposite sex. I want to challenge you in here. If your best friend who knows the most about the longings of your heart is a dude and you're a chick, maybe not a good idea. Because what happens is that awakens this desire. And like it says in the Bible, that watch over your heart because their life starts. So what happens is then you share these dreams and visions and these traumas and these testimonies of your life, and then things start. But then the other person's pointing fingers being like, well, I just want to be your friend. No, I just want to be your friend. But life has already started because you've exposed your heart at that level. There were things that Kenny and I, we were best friends for four years before we got married. And there was things that Kenny had to earn when we were in a committed relationship. And the reason why, besides all the hard things where it can get messy is that if you're single and you look like you're dating someone, if your Instagram literally looks like y'all are together, you guys, it's like a, like a repellent. Yeah. Because then the people who are really trying to pursue you are like, nah, man, he's taken, she's taken, and they're not into it. So I want to challenge you guys with love and a big smile on my face to be purposeful in finding great girlfriends, great guy friends, and be purposeful with those opposite sex friendships just as you would when you're married. So good. Drop Very the mic. Good. Well yes. said. I I'm constantly going, oh, I didn't know they were together. I didn't know they were together. Like, like, they're, they're not. not. <laughs> they just look like it on social media. And uh, you know, all the touchy, flirtatious things. I personally feel like if you're just friends, if you're just friends, male, female friends, there shouldn't be the flirting and the touching happening. Because yeah. if you like them enough to flirt with them or touch them, you need to ask them out on a date. Yes. Just ask them out. So <laughs> our, our, heart, here. our heart is that we would want everyone that wants to be married, if you are single, to find that special someone. But if you are projecting that you are, you are already taken, whether through your social media or how you behave or how you're flirting, you, you will remain single. Yeah. And you're just going to have a whole lot of friends. And then you're going to be heartbroken. So yeah. this is why we wanted to bring this up. Yes. Um, so does anyone want to wrap that, that little statement up? Well, I just want to say it's good practice for when you are married because yes. you don't have to undo all of those like opposite sex friendships yes. Yes. because those get really yes. complicated. We hear all the time, well, well, I'm best friends with a guy. I'm like, but you're married. Stop being best friends with a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So if you start that before you get married, then after you get married, you don't have to like undo anything. Well said. Well, well said. said. Let's everyone applaud. Yay. <laughs> And the, real, the reality is one of the two liked the other person. That's just a fact. Exactly. That's just a fact. Okay, so if we, if we want to know how to ask somebody out, babe, ooh, ooh. what do we do? 
How do you oh. ask somebody out? Okay, we have a role play, everyone. Yeah, we okay. do. All right. Center. Um, I would like to comment that Hallie has really good fashion. Uh, okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, because we are seeing that people don't actually know how to ask somebody out, we're gonna give you two examples. We're gonna role play two different scenarios, example A and example B, okay? And so we're gonna, one of them is gonna be what not to do, and then the other one will be what to do. All right, are you guys ready? My heart's racing. Okay, it's all right. And you know, poor Christian's our token actor. We make him do everything, so thank you, thank you. Go ahead, go ahead, ask each other out, okay. Hey, Hallie, what's up? Hi. Um, <laughs> like, you like movies, right? I'm sure. Cool, yeah. So, uh, oh gosh, they came out with a Rocky Seven. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah, so crazy. Yeah, so like, like want to check that out sometime or? Uh, you know? Sounds cool. Sweet, awesome. Um, Great. Yeah, it'll be cool. We'll hang out. Um, I'll just text you the deets and meet you at the theater. Oh, perfect. Cool? But yeah, sure. All right, cool. Bye. All right. That's option A. Everyone, option A. Okay. Now, we option, option B. Go. <laughs> Yo, feel this shirt. Feel this shirt. Oh, no. Wrong one. Wrong one. Sorry. I'm so confused. Option B. Hey, Hallie, um, look, I've, uh, I've gotten to know you for a little while and I've really enjoyed it. I would really love to get to know you some more. Can I take you out to dinner? I would love that. Sweet. Uh, how does Friday sound? Friday sounds amazing. All right. Pick you up at seven? Seven's perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So now... Awesome. So now we would like, I need all the single ladies to stand up. Because I have a question. No, no, no. I have a question for you. I need you to participate. Single ladies stand. Okay. I'm going to ask you what option you would prefer. And I'm going to say option A. And you can give me a round of applause if you like the first one or if you like the second one better. And then we're going to see which one we prefer as ladies. Okay. Who preferred option A? Okay. Who preferred option B? All right, so confidence and clarity wins. First option was so vague. Are you, are you asking me out like, is your bud? Are we gonna hang? Or do you actually like me? Okay, no one voted for that, boys. No one voted for that. Not one girl liked that. So let's all model option B. Thank you to our subjects. Our subjects. <laughs> that was so epic. All right. Okay, moving on. We can move on because that was very clear. That was very okay. clear. <laughs> Question three. What qualities should I be looking for in a guy or a girl? Would you like to start, Ashley? Yes, I would. Um, here's the thing. I actually hear a lot of young adults come up to me and be like, I don't know. I just There's like no guys at church. I'm like, 
there's 2,500 to choose from. Here's the thing, ladies and, and guys too, and then they use that as an excuse or a reason to go outside of the church looking to date somebody. And I just think it's wisdom if you start your foundation looking for somebody who's a believer, who loves the Lord. And, and honestly, it makes things a lot easier to not have to unwork things. Find someone who's in our church. I'm, I mean, we've got a really good church, you guys. We've got four services on a Sunday, so if you can't find them at the five, come to the 12, wherever. But look for somebody who's a believer so that you don't have to, like we were saying, flirt to convert or missionary date. And I get it that sometimes you come in with that. Oh, y'all are really responsive. I love this. Um, but I think it's just wisdom to, to begin as you go and to begin as you mean. So find somebody in the church that's like-minded and it's a lot easier to find somebody and not have to go outside of church and like, hey, I go to a church, we speak in tongues, we raise our hands. Like, find somebody who's already a believer and start there and then you can work out all the rest. I think somebody who's got a J-O-B would be pretty good. And, um, and I don't ever want to, you know, make, make it that simple, but it really kind of is that simple because I think what we can do as women and maybe even some men in here is you get this absolute list that it's like set before you and you're like, Habakkuk says, write the vision down, make it plain. Y'all are making it way too complicated. And we walk up to God with these lists that say, God, he has to be this, this and that. Here's, okay, you guys, I did have a list when I was like 10, and I had all these random things. I was like, my husband has to be on the worship team because I love to sit in the presence of the Lord. Kenny ain't playing nothing on the worship team. <laughs> he don't sing. Y'all, no, no, no. He played the bass when we were like in seventh grade or like youth ministry back in the day, but that was it. And if I would have held that as my standard of all these dreams and reasons, then I would have missed an opportunity for somebody like Kenny who's become this incredible husband yeah. for me. So that's so good. Yeah. And I, I know I preached about the list a couple of weeks ago in our morning services, but this list really is plaguing Ugh. us. Yes. And I think keeping us from God's promises because I really believe like on the list should be a few things. Yes. Like uh, the non-negotiables, like that they're a believer. I always tell when I meet with girls, as long as they are a believer and they are hungry to grow and yes. they are teachable. Because here's the thing, if they are promised and they won't listen to feedback, like to me, that's a red flag because they're not allowing anyone to speak into their world and disciple them. But if they are teachable and they're hungry to grow, you can overcome anything. So my, so I would recommend your list being very short because here's the thing. I know, you know, people... I'm sure we're all very godly here. So your list is like, they love the Lord, they're kind, they're generous, they're trustworthy, they make me laugh. Like, I'm sure those things are on your list. But the problem is, um, because they didn't, they're not uh, 6'2 and have dark hair and dark eyes and a really strong physique, you don't even give them a chance to let you find out if they are kind, if they love the Lord, if they're generous and make you laugh. So we disregard people based on super official things. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be attracted to the person, you know, but it may not be love at first sight. Sometimes people grow in love. And now the people that are married that, that didn't have love at first sight, they think their spouse is the cutest thing that ever walked the face of the earth. So give people a shot. Don't disregard people. Don't, don't dismiss people too, too soon. And I want you to share, babe, about the, like, because Ashley touched on it, um, the, what does the Bible actually say about dating a non-believer? Like, or being married, you know, marrying someone who's not a believer. I just so happen to have a scripture. Oh, that's so convenient. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has, 
For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And so the Bible's pretty clear. I don't know if you can get much clearer, Quacha. Do not be unequally yoked. And that just means exactly what uh, Pastor Ashley was saying. Don't go outside of the church. And when I say the church, I mean people that believe. Don't go outside of that, because why would you even want to start down that road? What happens is we're meant to guard our hearts, like like Ashley was saying. And as soon as you as soon as you start to dabble or flirt to convert, all of a sudden now your heart is exposed. Yes. And now you have to, and, and now it's awkward or it's uncomfortable or it's very, very sad to have to maybe break that thing off once you realize that, you know, that person isn't, isn't a believer. And so why even go down that road? Yeah. Why even start that process? When I met Becky, um, one of, I did have a list, and one was that she had to be a believer one was that she would have blonde hair, but then I realized most girls color their hair anyway, so that doesn't really matter. Um, one was um, that she had to be, you know, kind of athletic. I like, you know, doing athletic things. And so that was really my only list. But the, w- when we met, it was so awkward. I, I knew she was kind of cute, but I didn't really know because the way we met, you guys have probably heard the story. It was very awkward. Um, I didn't, I knew she was, I actually did know she was a believer. So that was the only thing that I knew for sure. And then I didn't actually see her for three weeks. We talked on the phone. All, a lot for about three weeks, and we literally, by the time I actually saw her and, and knew more about her, I was already, like, in love with her, pretty much. Like, we literally, oh, thank you. Um, we were talking about marriage within, like, a month of meeting each other, but it was because, it wasn't because of what she looked like, because I hadn't only seen her for, like, literally 30 seconds, and it was really awkward, um, but it was because I got to know her, and... Um, and, you know, if you like blondes, they can color their hair. If you like brunettes, they can color their hair. Like, it's all good. And, you know, I almost... So, why we're really passionate about not dating an unbeliever. So, I when I... My father-in-law actually set us up. So, my father-in-law brought him into my work to meet him. Because I worked with my father-in-law as a probation officer. He's like, I'm going to bring in my son. And I'm like, that is so awkward. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I didn't know he was a believer. So when my father-in-law sat in my office and said, I would love to set you up with my son, I, even though I saw him and he was handsome and wow, all of that, I go, <clears throat> I go, I can't. I go, Ted, I'm so sorry. I don't want to sound rude, but I am a Christian, and I just cannot begin to date someone who doesn't have the same belief system as me, so I'm not going to be able to say yes to that invitation. She's like, we're Christians. We're Christians. We're, he's saved. And I'm like, oh, okay, you can give him my number. So I was, I, I was willing to say no to that, to this, ladies. because that's, that's how, I mean, like, I'm going to be obedient. And do you trust God or not? Like, break off the relationship. You can't lose. Do you trust God or not? He has good plans for you. Don't doubt his faithfulness. Don't rely on your own plans and all of that. Like, God is so good. And I just want to say, to people disregard men, especially a lot of ladies will disregard men because they aren't far, uh, like, really mature spiritually. Okay, so John now is a lot different than when he... She's trying to be nice about this. I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) He was not this when I met him. He was still going to the club, but was a believer and wanted to get his life on track, okay? The, our first date was like Bible study. Second date was, I mean, like, we, we just, we, 
started out in church together. And so he forsook like all of that, but he had to grow. I was more spiritually um, the leader in our relationships in the earlier years, but he quickly caught up and surpassed me. So I didn't, a lot of women would dis dismiss people because they aren't the spiritual leader. Well, he had the hunger to grow, was teachable, and was in the house of God. And I knew it was just a matter of time before this specimen would stand before you. So so just don't dismiss people because they may not be as far along as you are, male or female. So I just want to say that. Can I add one tiny little thing real quick? Is uh, Since you said that, is Sometimes I feel like um, with the list in regards to that, that we look at what is now, and as a single person, you're like, I want that. I want that kind of wife. I want that kind of dude. They didn't, she just said it, Pastor Rex said, they, they didn't arrive that way. So don't let that trip you up when you have this vision on track. You're like, I need a pastor. John, I need a pastor, Becky. Well, guess what? They just said they were hot messes once before too. Yes. So you can we start off with a hot mess and grow together. <laughs> Amen. That is Amen. all. Amen. So good. All right, De Lorenzo's. Let's see what our next question. We're going to start transitioning here. It's going to be great. Okay, so is there any place for sex or being sexually intimate in a dating relationship? So, is that appropriate for dating, or what about if you're engaged? I would say no. Okay. Um, partly, uh, well, there are a lot of reasons why, but first, I mean, going back to Genesis, the two shall become one. Yeah. Right. So when you start giving away yourself. I mean, I've had conversations about this with women all the time specifically, but when you give away yourself, that one thing that is supposed to be just between you and your husband, you literally start parceling yourself out. And so you find that when you find the one that you want to be with, you're, you're broken. And you have to do a lot of cleanup. And and full transparency here, Tony and I both did have sex before marriage, but it became an issue because there was a lot of brokenness. We had given ourselves to other people, and because of that, we weren't whole when we came into our marriage. And so there was a lot of collateral damage. And, you know, I know today, I mean, you see it on every Hollywood movie. You can read it in books. Everybody's having sex, and it seems like it's such a great idea. But but God designed that to be this within a marriage. And it is so sacred and so holy and so amazing. Like, let me, but within the context of marriage. (laughs) Tony's distracted. Should we all just leave? Amen. They are the experts on that whole thing. I will say, 23 years in, we have probably the best sex life now. And it's better than ever because we've had to work through some stuff together. But I I do have to say with Ashley, when she was talking about the list, I didn't have a list at all. And so what Elisa got and what I saw in her, there was nothing. We we grew this way. It's exactly what Pastor... Becky has said we were both willing to grow, and we were both teachable, and we both wanted to press in to have an amazing marriage. And we were, you know, kind of a mess. Yeah. yeah. No, we so, were a mess. you know, to your point, yes. you can grow amazing things out of a mess. So good. That is good. Now, I do have one scripture for this one, too. Good. He's so spiritual. See, look at him now. <laughs> no, the, other, the next one. Yeah, this is a good one. Galatians 5. Galatians 5, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness, lewdness. (laughs) Look at all of those other things. That fornication is in the same verse as all of these, all of these things. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just saying it's like it's a real thing. And it does cause problems. 
Um, and some of you may be in relationships, and maybe you got into those relationships before you were even saved. Yeah. And I just wanted to highlight one quick story that I just heard by Danny Wilgenbush. I'm not sure if he's here. Is he here? I'm not sure if he's here. This dude is committed to Jesus. And um, he was just telling me that he, he was in a relationship with his girlfriend, and before he was saved, he was only saved two years ago. And once he got saved, his girlfriend wasn't into it. She was like agnostic. She wasn't into God or whatever. Um, but he, so he had to make a decision. Is he going to, you know, break up with her, leave her, whatever? They were living together. And he didn't feel like it was right, like God didn't release him to break up uh, the relationship. But what he did do is he said, hey, as soon as our lease is up, because he also didn't feel right just leaving her to pay the bills, right? Um, but they immediately stopped having sex. Um, and as soon as he could, he moved out of his apartment with her, and they lived separately. And for 18 months, you know what he did? You know what he didn't do? He didn't have sex with her. But you know what he did do is he prayed for her. And he believed God for her. And he would go, and he, and he said this. He was willing to leave her if, if God told him to. That's how committed to God he was. And that's how committed to doing things the right way he was. Well, lo and behold, guess what happened in, in September? In September, during a message, she reached over to, uh, to Danny and said, today's the day. Today's the day. And she comes up and gets saved, gives her life to Jesus in September. They just got engaged last month, and they're getting married in a few months. And I'm telling you, their, their marriage will be blessed. Their sex life will be blessed. It will be redeemed. Um, but, but the Bible, this is what the Bible says, that the, the eyes of the Lord are, are on the righteous, and his ear is attentive to their prayers. And so when we do things right, God hears your prayers. God is watching over your life. So just try to do things the right way, like the Bible says, and you're going to be blessed. And it's never too late to start doing things the right way. Or like, oh, I've already messed up, or now we're engaged, and we're already sleeping together or living together. Like, it is never too late to start doing things God's way. And he will always honor that, and he will always bless that. And I have a feeling that most of us in this room have forsaken God's plan and laws in this regard to some degree. But that is what I just love so much about Jesus, his forgiveness, his redemption, his mercy see us new every morning. And so maybe we don't have a clean slate right now, but we can start fresh tomorrow with the clean slate in his grace and in his forgiveness. And God will bless that relationship when you start doing it God's way. Amen. 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 All right. So if sex, De Lorenzo's, isn't intended for the dating or engaged relationship, when, when should people start talking about it? Is it before the wedding night? When's the appropriate time and what should they be discussing? Well, we're all blessed that we're in a church that has premarital. And I really believe, and Elise and I would say this together, that when you're in premarital, you guys got to open it up. You got to let it all out. You got to set up those expectations. You cannot wait until that wedding night. Um, We see too many couples who come through. We get emails or DMs that are just like, we've been married six months and this is the wrong person. And it just breaks my heart because I'm going... Man, all of this could have been talked about if we would be yeah. open, honest, and transparent with one another during premarital. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's do it. Let's get in there and let's start talking. Is it going to be complete? Are you going to finish it by your, by your wedding day? Most likely not. Elise and I are still working on ourselves 23 years later. <laughs> and yet, you, you got to get that conversation started. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, just adding on to that is, you know, be wise in what you're talking about right? You're not setting yourselves up to have these hot and heavy conversations, but it is time to have the conversations on what are your expectations? What do you think about sex? 
Yeah. Right? If we're not talking about it, what we see so often is that couples get married and nobody's talked about, you know, like, how did you learn about sex? Talk about that before you get married because there can be so many layers to the messages that you yeah. got that you yeah. bring into your marriage and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're married and you go from, well, you know what, this is what I thought about sex and this is what you think about sex and we've never talked about it, so what do we do about sex? And it really can freak a lot of couples out. But if you, if you have those conversations and you know, if you're doing it within the framework of premarital, you actually have your mentors there right. to help navigate those conversations so you're not trying to do it when you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. This cannot be a taboo topic to talk, I mean, to, to, to not discuss before you're married because it's the glue that, that really sticks you guys together. And so I know when we were chatting, you know, it being really important to talk about what are your fears around sex? What are your expectations? Like, I know you guys said a funny thing. You talked to us about it. We were about to go on vacation and they were like, what's your expectation for the week? And I'm like, <laughs> what? Bonus day. Like, so, so, you gotta set those up. So, you know, so, bonus day uh, every bonus day week. on vacation. So here's the thing: if the expectation <laughs> of one partner is that you think you're gonna have sex every day after you get married, or when you go on vacation, the other person's thinking like once a week. Can you see how that's not gonna line up very well? Someone's gonna be frustrated. Okay, so, so it's so important to talk about expectations. What is okay, not okay mm-hmm. in, in the bedroom and all of that because you don't want to be caught off guard on your honeymoon and, and all of this. So is there anything else? I know we talked about um, the ungodly beliefs, like what, what belief systems people go into into marriage with, with their sexuality. Tell us about that. Well, you know, a, I mean, a lot of people have been raised in the church and there are a lot of churches out there that will teach that sex, is, you know, they're trying to do it in a good way to not have young people have sex. But the messaging that's coming across is that sex is bad, sex is dirty, good girls don't have sex. There's all of these mindsets that are given. And so women specifically go into marriage with all of this head talk going on. And the husbands, on the other hand, are like, okay, I've been waiting for this day. Like, this is going to be epic, right? And so she gets to, she gets to the wedding night, and he's like, this is it. We're going to do it. This is amazing. And she's like, I have all these voices in my head saying yeah. I shouldn't do this. Yeah. What, what, like, uh, this is not good. And so if we don't start addressing those in premarital right. with our mentors, yeah. with people who have been married yeah. and, and like come against those, cancel those beliefs. Yeah. Cause they're not going to yeah. serve you in marriage. They're not going to serve your, the union together. We've got to be. And that's why I love that this is a church that talks about sex and gives the opportunity to break these things off because you the messaging, it doesn't help. It's got to be a godly marriage. It's got to be the way sex is beautiful, the way God designed it, but we have to have the messages that God gave us around sex. I think the other thing too is with that thought process is that the world and everything we watch and everything we do is like shouting that people are having sex all the time, everywhere, five times a day, every time. Like it's this whole thing that it's like this, you know, it's not that extreme, but sometimes it is. And they're like throwing people around the room. I'm like, what is happening? And, and so here's the thing. Here's the thing is that, like she said, finding the right people to speak wisdom. When I was married, I was really young and I actually didn't have a lot of people around me. And I remember one girlfriend was like, you just have sex like all the time. Like that's what you do when you get married. I'm like, oh no. No. 
So then what happens? Oh, no. <laughs> so that's what happened. And what happens is, I, I love you, babe, is that if you, if you get married as this newlywed couple, even newlyweds who have come to us have said, like, I feel like a bad person because I don't feel like I want to have sex. Is something wrong with me? Again, it's that belief system that's unreal and not true that, that Hollywood is painting this picture. No, man. Yeah. You go through seasons. You have kids. You got stuff going on. Talk to the people who are going to give you the wisdom and the truth and not what culture is trying to tell you about so your sex good. life. Yeah. So good. And why don't you guys give us like the two-minute um, definition of like the intimacy lifestyle and how many times a week, just so there's a reference point. Yeah. yeah, so we started the intimacy lifestyle 10 years ago. And what this is, we actually schedule sex in our marriage because we had 11 years of our marriage where we weren't having much sex, maybe like once a month, maybe once every six weeks or so. It just wasn't working for us. So what we did is we set up a schedule, a calendar, and what we agreed upon is that we wanted to have sex twice a week. And the way we set this up is that Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays are my opportunities, one of those days, to initiate sex with Elisa. On the other side of that is Elisa never initiated. So I had to share with her that, like, I need you to desire me as a husband. I need to know that you love me and you want me and you desire me because if I'm always initiating and you're rejecting, it hurts. Yeah. And I was just getting beat down. And so she took on that, I will initiate on, on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. And it has worked miracles in our marriage. And Saturday is an off day or a bonus day, so it just depends bonus on what's going day. on. Bonus day! Bonus like day! That was and the I can't, greatest like, takeaway for my And marriage. I can't go for the bonus day, and she says no and feel rejected. No, it's like, it's a bonus day, so if you, if you get it, you're like, yeah, right on. If not, you're just like, all right, let's go take a shower. You know, it's all good. You just move on. But that's basically what it is in a nutshell. So good. And I just, just to end on that, or end that point, is that there are a lot of different variations on how you can yes. do it, but what it comes down to is being intentional about your sex life as a married couple. We don't, we leave so many things in life to chance, but we shouldn't leave the opportunity to create union, to create unity with our spouses to chance and just say, well, you know, we might get to it because you know the things that we might get to, they just roll over day yeah. after day. And I know day the last time we talked about it, I think Kenny and Ashley really took that on and have had great success with it. Because <laughs> Ashley, every time she sees me, she's like, it's bonus day. Bonus like, day. It's bonus day. All the time. I'm like, amen. I'm like, amen. Ashley's red. She's blushing. Am I pink? Hey, we, Am I we pink? Started doing Am I it? pink? We, do, we, do we the, started doing it as well. We do the intimacy we got lifestyle now, too, because of you guys. Oh. Amen. There we go. Hey, it Change works, marriages. people. <laughs> it works. Good. I love it. Like, that is wisdom, you guys. Like, I know the bonus day is funny, but this is wisdom. Like, this, this will really strengthen your marriage if you guys can create that intimacy lifestyle. So, all right, moving on a little bit. We're going to transition a little bit here. So, I want to switch gears because... Uh, I, wanna, I really want to spend some time discussing pornography and how that impacts relationships because it's always been a problem, you know, since the beginning of time, um, images and, and sexuality and things like that. Um, but now it's so much more prevalent, I think, because you can get everything at a touch of a finger. And these things are impacting relationships. And so I want to talk to you guys about this because I know, Tony, you have shared that this used to be a huge issue in your life and a struggle within your marriage. Can you just share with us um, your journey with overcoming pornography and just anything you want to share like in regards to that? Yeah, yeah. So I was first exposed to pornography when I was 12 years old. And pornography honestly rewires your brain. Um, from such a young age, it, it really just started distorting it. And I could go in and out of it at times. And I just remember 
there was a point where I knew there was a problem. And yet within my own community, I, was, I wasn't brought up in a church at all, but just within my own community, I knew like my dad and my uncles and all my buddies were looking at it. And so it never really affected me until I met Elisa. And it started rearing its ugly head after we got married because I was being rejected. And I went back to pornography because it became easier back then, even 23 years ago, even though you're like waiting for it to show up and you're like, come on, show up before she comes in this bedroom. And like, but I would, I'd be looking at it and it was destroying me and her because one of the things I started to realize as we've been going through this is she had her own beliefs about sex, but I had been watching pornography for so long I had my beliefs of what sex was supposed to look like, and it was completely distorted. And so there was one time, and this is, so I was 12 when I first started looking at it, and then let's go 18 years later. I was 30 years old. We'd already been married seven years. Our, our boy, Alex, was a year old, and we were in our home in Poway, and I, and I had my computer in the garage, and I'm sitting there looking at pornography. There's a wall, and then Elisa's on the other side of the wall with our one-year-old son, Alex, like feeding them or doing something. And I'm there looking at pornography. And I'm like, what the heck? And I just remember, and I wasn't even in a spirit-filled church, but I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, it's finished. And you need to go tell Elisa. And I'm like, no, I think I'm good. (laughs) I'm like, because I'm not getting anything in there. And at least here I can satisfy and, and let's roll. And he's like, no, it's finished. So I went in and I told Elisa, and it was one of the hardest things I had to share with Elisa. I mean, seven years married, I was scared. I, I mean, having a one-year-old and everything. So went in there, told her what was going on. And I just remember seeing the hurt in her face, in her eyes. Uh, her, she was welling up with tears and, and just holding on, really clutching on to Alex. And so that hit me. The next week she was going to leave. And I told her in that meeting, in that time, I said, you know what? I don't have anybody around me that I know that I can trust, but... I'm going to ask you to hold me accountable to this because I am breaking this. I'm not going to live my life under bondage, under chains. I want us to live in a marriage where we can have more than this. So the next week she goes to Ohio to go see her folks with Alex and I'm by myself. And guess what? I go to the computer. I look at it. I'm like, don't, don't need a caller. He's like, yep, you do. So I'm like, all right. So I called her and I said, Elisa, I've looked at it again. And I could just hear the pain. And then in that moment though, and that's why I love this house because I believe in miracles now so much. In that moment, God said, you are clean. It is done. I was 30 years old. I have not looked at pornography for 16 years. The images have been wiped from my mind. I don't desire pornography. I don't desire that. What I do desire now is her. So he began to make the image that he gave me of my wife, and that's why I've been able to have, 23 years into marriage, have the best sex of my life because she's my queen. She's my princess. This is who I lift up. And this is who I look at my beautiful wife, Elisa. Amen. And I want to, I'm going to ask you a question, Lisa, but John, like, so I, I have a feeling, cause there's people in here that probably like, Oh, we shouldn't be looking at pornography because it is, it is such a part of 
culture, the n- culture yeah. normal world yeah. out there, all of that. So some people are like, well, why is it bad? Why should I not do that? Like, what do you want to kind of share with us, John, about that? Well, the Bible says if you even lust in your heart with somebody else, you're committing adultery. And so, um, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And so you don't, what pornography does, it opens you up to lust. It opens you up to spiritual yep. things yes. that, can, that can get you into bondage. So if that's something that you're struggling with, we have a freedom night in a week and a half yes. Yeah, yes. that you need to be Come at on, on yes. a Monday night. That's, that's one aspect. But then you have to change your behavior, obviously. There's, the Bible says that the eyes of a man are never satisfied. And so, when, so, so what Tony is saying is the reason he has a great sex life is because his eyes are only focused on his wife. There's no other competition. There, my wife has no competition. When I, see, when I see her, when I'm with her, she, she's it. I'm not thinking about somebody else. I'm not thinking about this person. I never had like a porn addiction or anything like that. Praise God. But, but she has no competition. Um, and so when, what you do when you're looking at pornography is you're trying to satisfy an eye, and I'm talking to the guys, that can never be satisfied with an unrealistic picture that can't be attained. Right. So you're never going to get that, and you're trying to satisfy your eye that you're never going to get with something. It's like it doesn't make sense. It takes you down this this rabbit hole and it just ruins your marriage. Um, and so, so there are, there are ways to get through it. We're not, we're not going to spend too much more time on that, but there are ways to get accountable. Um, you know, get a miracle, come yeah. let somebody pray yeah. for you. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I was chatting with another gentleman in our church, um, who's preaching at another campus tonight about, um, his struggle with an addiction to pornography. And he was just kind of sharing with me, about how it created such dysfunction in his dating relationships. Because for him, he would just be on a computer screen, and when he got bored of a particular image or a video, he would just click to the next one. It was like, click, next one, you bore, okay, now you're excited, now you bore me, click. He goes, and I literally saw that pattern in my relationships. I couldn't develop deep intimacy because my I was programmed my brain that eventually this particular image, a, a single image, will eventually bore me, and I will now move on to the next girl and so he just talked about how that was outworking in his dating life and and he really realized he had a detox from all these unrealistic images and the belief systems he had that you know you'll eventually be bored with someone and move on so it was just a really interesting conversation for me to be able to hear about that anyways and and how it can actually affect your relationships but Elisa I wanted to ask you so how did this hit Tony's addiction and how did this impact you like what did you have to overcome what was your journey through all of this well, men, I will tell you, and actually pornography is not just a male thing. I do right. want to say that. There are a lot of women that are looking at pornography or reading erotica or, you know, like Fifty Shades of Grey. That is considered porn. Yes. So it is, yes. Yes. it's not a male thing. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's both. But for me, Tony's pornography addiction um, in the early years, like I always knew something was a little bit off. I just didn't feel valued. I didn't feel beautiful, and it's really interesting because as we've gone through this healing process, as, as you know, he draw, drew that line in the sand, there was something that Tony did eight years ago in this process, and he, you know, we, we have the podcast, we have the opening to the podcast. Those of you that have listened to it, you know, um, or if you've ever had Tony introduce us, you know that he will always say, this is my beautiful wife, Elisa. Yep. And for, you know, the first 15 years, I did not feel beautiful. I felt, you know, that there were these images in his head, that there were these other things that he saw. But eight years ago, he started calling me his beautiful wife. And, you know, there were times that I didn't accept it. 
um, because of all of the images and all of that kind of stuff. But I will tell you, after being told that you're beautiful for eight years, um, I have no problem saying that I'm a 45-year-old woman that has never felt more beautiful because Gotta he water tells it. me that. Keep all watering. The time. Yeah, you are. She's my beautiful wife. So That's there right. is redemption. There is redemption, but like you were saying, it's a, it's a change in behavior, right? He had he made the choice, but then he kept telling me that I was his choice, and, and that's that's marriage, right? It's making the choice, and it's reminding both of you that the choice is made every single day. Yes. Can I share just two quick things around pornography? Because I know mine's a miracle, and I know some of you are like Tony. Yeah, but that's not me. And when I was standing there during worship, God spoke to me, and He said, Tony, He's like. Tell them to put on worship music. And I was like, well, okay, Lord, well, what does that mean, put on worship music? Well, because when light comes in, darkness flees. And I really wish when I was going through that, like I had a warfare Christian Spotify station that instead of clicking that to go look at some porn, I wish I would have just clicked it and been like, all right, Lord, we're going into warfare. Like the darkness has to flee. And then the next one is like, guys, and my good buddy, Jim Rooney, who is part of this church, who I love dearly, he and I have had, we've gone through pornography in, in different ways on overcoming it. And his has always been like, he had a 30-day calendar. He's like a 30-day challenge to himself. And he had it bold. And every day he didn't look at it, he put an X through that day. And he just put an X and he'd put an X. And then if he looked at it, he'd start over again. He's like, all right, I got to go 30 more days, 30 more days. And then before you know it, he was like, man, Tony, I was at 30 days. And then you know what? I was at 60 days and 90 days. And now he's like, he hasn't looked at it for years. And so there's some different ways that we can attack that, you know. I love it. And uh, before we move on to the last question, I know we wanted to just quickly address, because sometimes people think it's like the hardcore pornography, yes. this and that, but no. I know Elisa alluded to the fact of, of reading books like Fifty Shades of Grey, and I know Ashley was sharing just some thoughts, and I'd love for you to talk about that, because I think it's really prevalent. Man, I just, like, my heart, it's just such an incredibly important topic, and I think that one way with worship, obviously, but another way is abstaining from things that are even soft porn. Yeah. You guys, like our generation, like even on Instagram, like yeah. mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen in a youth ministry and young adults and, 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 and adults, my age people, who are following these Instagram accounts. And I'll look and not even like trying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like why are we like letting that be on our feed? Why is that image normal? Or people will refer like, oh my gosh, you and Kenny should watch this show. I'm like, okay, cool. And I watch it, and I'm, like, sick in my stomach. And it's not even, like, you know, nakedpeople.com. It's literally just this soft... Don't look that up, please. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't look that up. Ew, no, no. Just letting Ah. you people know, don't look that up. We are, yes. But even, y'all, but even the soft porn, it's not okay. It's it's really not okay. And and the Bible is so great to talk about being above reproach and to not even tempting yourself with that. Don't watch those weird shows on Hulu. You guys, as a couple, as an individual, don't do it. It just opens it up. Go home tonight. I I challenge you, even some of the, the sports um, uh, accounts and all these things you scroll through and you see these chicks and these dudes and I'm like those are 
very naked people. I don't know if your eyes should be resting on that as you're scrolling wow. through right. and you're laying in bed or before you come to church, all these different things. And I don't say that to be weighty or heavy. I say that to challenge you. Go home tonight and literally unfollow those people. The Kim Kardashians, all these people. Why do we even follow them anyway? Whatever. But those things that are being posted, why is it okay? Because what happens is every time we look at soft porn, um, images or shows, it moves the line that much further. Yes. And then you will be on naked people dot something. So don't do it, y'all. I love you too much. So good. The end. Come on. That's a word. And uh, we're, we're kind of coming to an end here, but I want to give, because there's so much wisdom up here, just, is there just one last thing you want to share with newlyweds or people are married a long time, whatever it is, you guys, just one last opportunity to share. I want to encourage all the newlyweds or those of you that are thinking of getting married. Um, Ashley, you kind of alluded to it before, but what, what you see in the marriages of the people that are, you know, 5, 10, 15, 30, Ron and Quacha, 50, 56. You know, yes. Big clap for them. They have all walked through journeys. They have walked through storms. It has been a bumpy road. You know, yesterday at the conference, people are like, I want to have conversations like you and Tony. I said, we've been having conversations like this for the last 10 years on purpose. Yeah. Right? So don't, don't think that you're going to get to the, you know, the finish line your first month. Right. right? Allow yourselves to grow. You know, I think you've heard from everybody up here. We were all a little bit of a mess when we got married. Yeah. Some, like, maybe a little bit more of a mess. But, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> But give yourselves permission to grow. God has got tremendous plans for the two of you, but you need to grow. We, don't, we start off as seedlings, and then comes the harvest. We don't just like, get married and have the harvest. You've got to work into it. You would do that. You, know, you would go to a fitness trainer. You know, get mentors. This church has got a wealth of resources. Find couples that have been doing it longer and have the fruit on their life and connect with them. Take them out to dinner. Go have coffee with them. Ask them questions. You don't, when we got married, we didn't have community. You're in a place that has community. Please, please reach out and, and ask people to come alongside you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.